Freedom. We've already heard about it quite a bit this morning. Freedom, 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 freedom. We are the land of the free. And we like to say that. We like to repeat that. And uh, we are just thankful that, that there's a Lee Greenwood, I guess, that say, I'm proud to be an American, where at least I know I'm free. There you go. Freedom, of course, is a tremendous concept, and it's throughout the Western world, and I'm not to try to uh, kind of uh, take the air out of your balloon, but it was since 1439 when there was a great freedom song written by a Danish bishop. That's 600 and some years ago, right? Not just a couple of hundred years ago. Well, he highlights the same thing that he says, freedom is the best of gold. And another verse begins that freedom is a golden shield. And he goes on and on. Freedom is a lovely bride. Love her dearly and honor her highly. Freedom is a safe harbor. Make sure your stern is turned toward it. Nora Jones Many of you will know her sings also that I dream of a nation where freedom will endure. This is a theme that has rung for centuries and centuries. And when we read lofty words like that about freedom, we recognize that this is a significant theme, not just for a Christian understanding of the gospel, but it is a human theme of the greatest order. The struggle between freedom and control is ever present. And I think we know that. It's a dominating factor in just about everything and all things that we hear about or that we participate in. Politically, that seems to be the constant conversation. Ideologically, uh, that is so in debates about ideology, we can go on and go on and go on. Regardless of color, culture, interest, age, and everything else that may define various people and groups, the question of freedom is significantly important. In fact, it has almost become a code word, has it not? Just about everything that I want, I claim it in the name of freedom. Regardless, I, I want to be able to say whatever I feel like, regardless of who it destroys. I want to be able to portray whatever I feel like, regardless of how devastating it may be to my surroundings. I want to be able to broadcast anything and all things regardless of how much sewage comes in its track. I want to be able to buy whatever I want regardless of how many people are killed. I want to be able to abort whatever or however many times I want regardless of how many people are killed. I want to be able to smoke whatever I want to smoke regardless of of what it does to health and to those around me, and on and on we go. We have 
equated the word freedom with what we consider personal rights. The question is, though, when we talk about freedom, what is genuine, life-giving freedom? There's a lot of things that we may consider freedom that may look like freedom that in the end is strangling as opposed to life-giving. Uh, we're in the South, right? In the Southeast even, so we kind of Southeast. We know about Kutsu. Y'all know about Kutsu? Right. Seems like we're here where people have heard about Kutsu. Well, Kutsu was brought over here late 1800s. It was an ornamental plant. It was wonderful, beautiful. It gave tremendous shade. So they brought it in and let it grow on around their porches and just around above their portico. So they just looked beautiful and it gave all kind of wonderful shade. Well, as time went on, they found out it could be used also for other things. For example, we found out it had high protein, so they became good fodder for livestock. Well, then they found out that it was also good for soil control. So when soil's washing away, let's just plant katsu. And so they did. And any of you who have ever traveled in the areas of katsu, you know exactly what happened. It took over, right? I read about it this week, and it said it took over 150,000 acres a year. They spent more than $6 million just to curtail it a little bit with some Roundup, pesticide, whatever, to kill some of it off, Yes? It looked so good, it was brought in, it gave a little bit of shade, and now it takes over and there's no control, right? It's called the strangling vine of the South. To me, there's a lot to be said of some of the things we call freedom. We confuse genuine freedom, life-giving freedom, with what may look great at the beginning and at the moment, when we first see it. And then it gets into areas where it shouldn't be and suddenly we can't control anything. Paul mentioned that very thing and the struggle of that even in, in chapter five of Galatians, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free and goes on to verse 13. So you're called to be free, but don't use that freedom to indulge in your sinful nature. What is true, genuine freedom? Is it really possible that we have now confused freedom with just personal right, so we have individualized it to such a degree that it's no longer freedom? As a Christian, I've been set free, free to serve others, free to not put myself First, free to be the person that strengthens the community in a way that brings life rather than death. I'm free to be a good father. I've been set free to be a loving husband. I'm not free to be mean 
to my wife. I'm not free to destroy my kids. I'm free to serve. Can we read a section that most people, I think, may not consider a text on freedom from Ephesians chapter 2? But a text that nonetheless speaks to that very thing. Because to Paul, to be truly alive is the same as to be genuinely free. Verse 1 of chapter 2. As for you, you are dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the rule of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in the transgressions. It is by grace that you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. In order that in the coming ages, he might show his incomparable riches of his grace expressed in the kindness to us in Christ Jesus. To be genuinely alive in Paul's mind is the same as to be genuinely free. In fact, he expresses it so hard that he's turning it upside down and to say to lack genuine freedom is to be dead. The text that we just read right here tries to say that there is a genuine freedom and there is a false freedom, a fake freedom, if you will. And so what is it? And I think we have sometimes been forced to reflect on what that is because paradoxically we have even as Christians been forced into a thought pattern that seems similar, although we would conclude a few things differently than what we see around. We've been told that there are all kinds of things that you can't do if you're truly a Christian and the focus has been on the can't do this and can't do that. I can't tell you how many people that I've tried to share the gospel with and I sit with them and I explain and they conclude and they say, but it makes sense what you say. It even makes sense of what you say about God in this context. But to be a Christian, I'll have to live with all these rules and regulations of things that I can't do. And some of us have come to consider that a true statement. I was even in a, in a uh, place, I got my hair cut a couple of years ago. And uh, I never know what to call that stuff. You know, hair so long sounds wrong, right? And barbershop is not really what it was. You know, whatever. Uh, and I was, I was talking to this, this woman who was cutting my hair and asked her if she was a Christian. And, and she said, well, I believe in God. Um, 
It's much, much, much more difficult, this stuff with Christians. I knew someone, they became Christian, and they like changed their whole lives. They were way too serious about it. And I was just holding myself back to say, glory be to Jesus. I thought that was the point. But I think the real question that so many of us are getting is wrong. We are thinking that to be a follower of Jesus Christ is a matter of limiting freedom. And Paul says that's turning everything upside down. In fact, listen to how Paul describes the life before a person becomes a Christian. Y'all, that's all plural language here, right? Y'all were dead in your transgressions and sins. The very thing you used to live in because you were just following the ways that were demanded, so to speak, by this age, the ways of this time or this age. The things, the rules that are set up by the kingdom of the one who rules the air. What he is saying is that that which looks like freedom really is not. Just to act like the world acts and agree with every, what everybody else says, yeah, that's kind of cool at the moment, is not freedom. Real freedom is to be able to say no when everybody else says yes and to say yes to what God says yes to. That's freedom. Freedom is not just to indulge in whatever whim comes your way or whatever everybody else says. That's what matters at the moment. That kind of freedom requires no power. You just follow along. What everybody else says is cool. The power to say no when everybody else says yes require God's power. Before you came to know God is what Paul is saying. You just followed along and it may have looked like you're free, but actually you were slaves. You were determined by this age. Slaves to the desires Slaves to the ways of doing things, slaves to the arguments or whatever happened around you. Instead of being free, you were puppets, guided and governed, to use Paul's own language, by the ruler of the kingdom of the air. Friends, can I highlight this for us again? That if you think not to follow Christ will make you more free, you got it upside down. That makes us slaves. False freedom will make us blind. There's a great, great story coming out of Myanmar, or what used to be called Burma. If you are not following along with what happens in geography the last many years, Small little banyan seed from a banyan tree. Some of you may not know what a banyan tree is. If you've been in Florida, you'll like to have seen them, certainly in South Florida. 
massive, massive trees shooting roots down from the branches. Well, the banyan seed, it's just kind of being moved around by the air and it usually lands in another tree between the branches. And here's the story as it goes. This little banyan seed one day set to a large, great palm. I'm tired of being blown around by the wind. Can I just rest right here between your branches? Of course, the great palm says, surely, stay as long as you want. Before long, the palm tree had forgotten everything about that little seed that was just kind of hiding in its branches. But the seed immediately began to work. And it just began to shoot its root down into the bark of that palm tree. And it kept growing and it grew and it grew into the very center of the trunk of that tree from where it sucked energy and moisture and whatever sustenance it needed. And suddenly the palm tree cried out and said, what are you doing? Get out of here. You're no longer welcome. But the seed said, I'm just the little seed that you allowed to dwell in your branches. We have now grown together. I can't leave. If I am leaving, you will die. And so the palm tree tried to shake itself loose but without any luck. And of course, as you have already guessed by now, the palm tree began to give in, began to yellow, began to lose its beautiful branches. And before you knew it, it collapsed and disappeared under the weight of the mighty banyan tree. Those are the stories out of Myanmar. How powerful a story is this? It's almost a direct parable, is it not? Of fake and false freedom. What are we to do when we suddenly realize this? When the reality of life is pressing on us in such a way that, that we realize that we have allowed things to grow in our life and it's hard to rip it out, get rid of it because we're being sucked from life power by it. And we can't shake it. How do we find redemption? How do we get a hold of genuine, true freedom Well, since this is storytelling day, I guess, another powerful illustration about an old wise Indian who was asked, he had become a Christian in his tribe and he was asked, what does this whole thing about redemption mean? About meeting God's grace and being set free. And he took a bunch of leaves and they were all dry. He crumbled them up and he left them in a circle. 
And then he found a spider. And he put it in the middle and he lit the circle of leaves. And it got hot. And the spider tried to get off one side, too hot. Tried to get off on the other side, too hot. Tried to get back, too hot. For too hot. Finally, it just shriveled up in the very center of that circle of fire. Unable to move because whatever direction it moved in, it would burn. And so the Indian put his finger down right in front of the spider. And he crawled up his finger, and as it did, he lifted it out of the burning circle. And he said, that, my friend, is a picture of what it means to be set free by God Almighty. When his hand reaches down and you take advantage of the chance to jump in his hand because in this hand and only in this hand do you find genuine freedom. Do you remember what Jesus said when he said, if you remain or hold fast to my word, you will be my disciple and you will come to know the truth and the truth shall set you free. Can you know, can you recognize this way of argument that Paul gives us right here? Freedom has to do with the power that controls your life. The people who choose to not have faith in God or in Christ make themselves slaves of other powers. That's his argument. Paul in Romans 8 calls that to be controlled by the flesh and whoever is controlled by the flesh is at enmity with God, he continues. The only purpose of that power is to hold you away from God. When that happens, the daily newspaper becomes the place where you find your guidance and your direction. The moment and the pleasure of the moment and the immediate situation is all that really guides. Opposite that power, Paul says, there's a power that would raise people up from spiritual death. This power is a power that gives life. It's not just freedom. It is life-giving freedom, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead, the only power actually that is strong enough to break that oak of thraldom, if you will, that brings and binds people who are not aware of this power. I think that's somewhat of a fair, strong, quick summary of Paul's thinking on this. Things are so easily turned upside down 
Freedom to be able to live a life that brings life to others is what Christ is promising us. Freedom to not be pulled down into a swamp of slavery is given by God. Verse 6 in that text we just read, God raised us with Christ and seated us with him. When the son makes you free, John says in John 8, you shall be free indeed. There's so much to be said about this. But may we highlight again, as Paul speaks, he speaks about the Christian community. He speaks about the place where Christ reigns. He, he is talking about what that power of God can do to set us free to serve others. It's not about what I'm allowed to do. It's about what I can do and now I have power to do that reminds people of and helps me point to God. And I want to say for a half a second that we have this extraordinary ability to make all biblical talk a matter of spiritual significance. We got this other realm to stick that stuff. It's like it doesn't really touch the real lives we're in, but friends, it does. There is no special spiritual realm that doesn't touch your real life. There is no place you put all this, the truths from God. You said that doesn't have anything to do with how I live my daily life. It has everything to do with that. It impacts your family. It impacts your workplace. It impacts your neighborhood. It impacts everything and all things that you are involved in. You have been set free in Christ. Free indeed. It simply means that you have been connected to a different power. And friends, is it not time that we as a church stand up and say, we know that power. We're not following the arguments of everybody else and just giving them a Christian twist. We know genuine freedom because we have been shown what that is by the one who lived it out for us to imitate. Paul even said, imitate me as I imitate Christ. And we think of that sometimes as just a braggadocious statement. But I want to say, I wonder if that is much an argument that we use as braggadocious because we dare not ever say about our own life, imitate me as I imitate Christ. See, to say that will force you to truly spend your life imitating Christ. As life is burning around you, don't forget the finger that'll lift you up and the hand that'll hold you. 
in the midst of all this. You don't have to end up like the palm tree that allowed the banyan seed to be there for a moment and then took over. You don't have to live with the kind of situation that Kutsu reminds us of in your own life or in the life of your fellowships and your communities. You shall be free indeed. There's a good reason why the Bible speaks so much about the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm not sure why we sometimes speak so little of it, but the reason the Bible speaks so clearly of it is because that is necessary, needed. The power of God is needed for us to say yes when God says yes and no when God says no, to be free and free indeed. In many ways, it's hard to kind of see what it is. The Bible says itself that we can't see it. And I, of course, I'm an electrical engineer by training way back, right when me and Methuselah went through school together. Uh, (laughs) Electricity is a lot like this. Not very many people know what it is. It's kind of hard to define. It's just there, but we know the effect. We know that we've put one machine into it and it turns cold into heat, right? We know we put another machine into it, it turns silence into sound, another kind of machine, and it turns a different kind of silence into motion. We know what happens. And in many ways, That's exactly what happens with the Spirit of God. We can't quite define it, can't quite explain it, but we know what happens when we connect. Things change. The difference between God's power and electrical power is that electrical power is cold and Mechanical in some way, where God's power is personal and warm. It changes everything. And He is offering it to your life. Let freedom reign. Let freedom reign. That kind of freedom. It's not about you and what you can claim that you have the right to do. It's about the freedom to make a difference and spread life as God gives you power. Amen? Amen. Father, would you allow us to hear that? Not just in our minds, not just without reason, but to the heart in such a way that it truly transform not only academic thinking, but lived life. Father, our homes need this. 
Our children need this. Our spouses need this. Our neighborhoods, our friends at work, Lord knows our nation need this. May it be true of us that as people look, they will recognize the truth of Jesus' own word. When the Son sets them free, they will be free indeed. Father, those of us who have confused this, will you set us free to see it in a new light? Those who are here even this morning or who listens on, on the screen, Father, would you allow them to recognize that even though fire is burning in every direction, you are there to reach your hand down and lift us up. Speak, Holy Spirit. Speak even now. Amen. Amen. Friends, we are we're going to stand. And uh, if you sense that, just stand up for a moment. It's okay. We're going to sing a song in a second. We like to call this Independence Weekend. And I was thinking about Paul's words in Ephesians 2. What he's saying is, you can become independent of the powers that keep you in slavery. That keep you thinking just like you would have had you not called yourself a Christian. That's a powerful promise on a weekend like this, is it not? Make decisions accordingly.